0: You're listening to a A Mamma Mia podcast. Welcome to this glorious mess, Big Kids. is Mama Mia's podcast for parents who try to be fake mad when their kids have done something hilarious. That's always the best, when mm. you're just like, I am so... I can't quite
2: <laughs> pull it off. You fought me to... Tears... <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny she said that again.
0: Oh, no, although it's not that funny what's being said no. in my house at the minute now they're really? getting a bit older. But anyway, my name is Holly Wainwright. I work here at Mamma Mia. I have two kids who are 10 and 8.
2: And I'm Andrew Daddo and I work here at Mamma Mia and I've got three kids, 21, 19 and 16.
0: A lot of parenting hours between us, aye, as aye. we like to say. If you love listening to our show, we want to ask you a favour, Andrew and I. Go to the place where you listen and leave us a review. Only if it's good. If you don't like the show, you can keep that to yourself. We don't need to know about that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but. And you're helping us through our week as well, believe me, because this is like a... It
0: is. It's a purge. We love it.
2: It's a purge. Nail and failed is coming.
0: It is. Nailed and failed are coming. But also today, quite a serious one actually because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and we're talking to a 37-year-old mum who was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. But first, so you know how my daughter's sport mad? We've discussed this. She plays cricket. Cricket in the summer. She loves that. Footy in the winter. She has joined, insisted on joining a summer AFL team.
2: Oh, so sorry, cricket and footy in the summer and footy Footy, in the winter.
0: Because she loves AFL. Mm -hmm. She particularly loves tackling.
2: (laughs) Oh, is there something else going on?
0: She just, she likes to be aggressive. She's ten. Ten. She likes to be – she's quite an aggressive player. When I watch her play, I'm like, what? Anyway, (laughs) she's joined this summer league and it's mixed. Yeah. She turned up this week. It was the first one. And one of the other kids who was in her team – and it was all kids she didn't know, which is the same with her cricket thing. She's just decided she wants to do this. That's awesome. So she turned up and one of the other kids on her team, it's amazing, was in our mother's group when Matilda was a baby. My friend was messaging me and she said, who would have thought that our daughters, who were these tiny little babies when we met and we were, like, you know, meeting in the park for coffee and worrying about how many poos they did a day and why nobody ever slept anymore. and Who would have thought that they were going to be these big, rollicking, tackling, AFL-playing vegetarians, which they both are? (laughs) Honestly, it's just sometimes you have to stop and... Look at what's happened and just go, wow! Do don't you, think,
2: you? Do you think it would be fun to take, a, take the transcript from a discussion of a mother's group, right, back ten years ago, and then reread that, standing on the sidelines watching them <laughs> play football? So you're standing, you stand know, there, vomited four times last night. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, so know, true. I know. I like, know. You know, like just to see how it would sort of mesh up. Well, that's really good. So I'm curious. It's boys and girls and they're tackling and things like that. Have you hit the moment – I I'm, I'm not, no, it's just started – but of um, a boy aggressively tackling a well, girl or is it, is it fair game? I'm, I'm curious to know, is it fair game or is it – Matilda said
0: – I was talking to her about it last night and I said, how did you go tackling the boys? And she said, P, our producer, is very helpful on this. Matilda said, young, I yeeted them. Person. And I was like, what does that mean? And she means I went hard. So she will have gone hard on them. The only problem was she said – that the boys, there are only three girls on the team, and mostly boys. Said they won't pass to the girls. Mm. Boys, God. So that's <laughs> going to have to be that's going to have to be on. Who's the coach?
2: Who's the, the coach
0: g- is going to have to sort that out. Yeah, but she. Well, loves but it. the other
2: thing is, that if the girls step up and show their ability in the game in a match-winning kind of way, they will get the ball to they the will. girls. So yeah. at the moment, they're going, "Oh, the girls they'll kick a football, right?" But once they see they can kick a football. They'll be fine. That's right. So all your dreams are coming true, you're spending the most of your weekend <laughs> watching sport. I just know as an English person. Oh my this god. This is just the best. <laughs> oh, my god. oh my
0: god. Let's let's just talk about that later. Chanel Bryant is a mother of two, a wife and a business owner who moved to rural Victoria to live a simpler life. They moved to Dalesford, which is yeah. a beautiful place, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and it's quite a ethereal sort of, you know, community, you know, holistic peace out I had
0: Dalesford in my first book. In the Mummy bloggers, there was a character who lived in Dalesford and she was very like that. It's definitely
2: a peace out place.
0: Yeah. Anyway, at the peak of her career in October 2019, Chanel was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive type of breast cancer called triple negative, which threw her family's world completely upside down. Since then, Chanel has been advocating for women to perform self-checks and has documented her story through a docu-series called Life on Standby. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the success story and it's going to be
1: real and hard and confronting because I feel like there's got to be some greater purpose to this. It's not just about my growth and then me dying. There is more to this. And I know that that's a possibility, that
0: I might get bad news. You know, I know that quite extraordinary. It's available to watch at a place called Support Your Girls. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us, Chanel. Can you tell us where you're at now in your cancer journey, if you don't mind me using the word journey? (laughs)
1: I use the word journey myself, it's fine. Very happy to say that I am touching wood as I'm saying this, but I am now cancer-free, which is fabulous to hear. Um, Going through the process is quite daunting, so um, to be on the other side of it is amazing, but does bring an onslaught of new challenges that I kind of didn't anticipate. But for now,
0: I'm cancer-free and doing everything that I can to
1: stay in this place. That's wonderful
0: news. You moved to Dalesford with your family, and you were living the life that you'd planned to lead, and then what happened?
1: And then one night I was sitting down watching TV and found a lump in my breast and we've got a strong family history of breast cancer and other forms of cancer and I still wasn't checking, so to speak, which just sounds crazy to me now even saying it out loud, but I wasn't and what followed from there was you know, straight to the doctors. The next day I acted fast, which you really have to in this situation, then it was mammogram, ultrasound, then a biopsy and then to hear the words, you've got cancer, at the end of that was... A shock to the system, but in some way it wasn't. I don't know whether it was my mum's death and my auntie's death that had almost mentally prepared me or maybe I'd expected it on some level. Yeah. I'm not sure.
2: And, but they, and, and they were very young, weren't they?
1: They were, yeah, 49 and 50, yeah. so
2: too young to, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, how old were your kids at the time, Chanel? You've got two kids, yes? I do.
1: Yeah. At the time, my son was six and my daughter was four. So obviously, that's exactly where your mind goes. Of Literally course. almost in the moment, you know, we were sitting in the doctor's office and I was looking at my husband, Luke, and we were just blankly staring at each other like, oh my God, is this is this even happening? But mm. then in that instant, your mind just goes to all those places. It's like a flash almost, like you're just flashing through these bizarre situations in your head, you know, I'm going to die, my kids aren't going to have me here, all those horrible thoughts that you don't want to go to, you find yourself, you know, dealing with in that very instant. It's its really hard to articulate, but it's terrifying.
2: Yeah. The move to Dalesford prior, was mm-hmm. that just, was that a lifestyle change, more of a holistic yeah. approach than a medical approach? Was that the first yeah. instinct? Yeah.
1: It was for me. Um, Luke and I both had country roots. You know, we both grew up about half an hour out of Geelong in different directions. And, you know, whilst we live in Geelong most of our life, we just had this country calling in both of us. So we knew eventually we would end up down here. It was just a place that we wanted to be. And it ended up being a school that got us down here. So we made the move for the school just to live, I guess, a more simple life aligned with our values. And and with that, I guess, with the diagnosis and seeing what my mum and auntie had been through and my own belief system, it was, yeah, a more natural approach was what I wanted to do until I found out the specifics of my type of cancer, which is called triple negative, and it's it's a lot more aggressive. You kind of have to meet fire with fire to a certain point. Mm. And, um, and then I decided an integrative approach, which was mixing mainstream and some alternative things, was I guess my sweet spot where I felt the most comfortable. So that's, that's what I ended up doing.
2: So my mum's a naturopath. So just to put this in perspective, and she's always gone. Look, you know, I'll fight everything with the natural way first. And when when that doesn't work, or if I need something bigger, I'll do exactly what you're saying. You did. Did you ever yeah. feel at that point when you went, "I'm going to go with the with the medicine, medicine," that you yeah. were rolling over on your beliefs? Like, did you did you challenge yourself in oh, that way? Yeah. yeah,
1: it was it was one of the most confronting parts for me, yeah. other than the you know dealing with the potential death and the children and thinking about that. And when I started feeling a shift more towards the mainstream way, so to speak, you know, a lot of my loved ones, my husband and one of my brothers were very alternative minded like me. So I felt like I was shifting and I felt uncomfortable with that. And I wanted them to be supportive of my decision, not just, okay, well, we'll support what you want to do. I wanted them to actually believe the same thing as me. So I felt I don't know, it was really confronting dealing yeah. with that. But they managed to, to come to the same understanding as what I did, which then felt like the weight had been taken off my shoulders, so, so to speak, that I could relax and sink into it a bit more before I started treatment, which I think is so important, getting your mind in the right place, believing yeah. that what you're doing is the, the right way to go about it.
2: In, in the doco, you said that you wanted to be the success story you couldn't find. I, I know you Googled, but what, what happened? Like, what did you What did you see?
1: Ah, triple negative is a lot more aggressive. So the the success stories, whilst I'm sure they're there on some level, what you see when you type in into Google is just horrifying statistics of, you know, high reoccurrence rates and low mortality, I mean, high mortality rates. And it's terrifying. So I, I literally went looking for success stories one night and didn't give it a lot of time because I wanted to keep myself in a positive mind frame. And in, in the end, it was just more negativity. And it was literally this light bulb moment. And I can remember it so vividly. I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the success story and I'm going to put it all over the internet. So yeah. the next person that types in triple negative success stories, up pops, life on standby, Chanel Mm. Bryant. And, you know, and they can feel that hope rather than that fear, that intense fear. And that just drove me. It just, it was my purpose. Other than fighting for my children, you know, and my family life, you know, it it just, it, it was the kick up my bum, the whole step of the way. And and i honestly believe it was part of the reason why i got the success that i did and i'm now again touching wood cancer free
0: yeah obviously you're a very driven person i mean that's that's extraordinary i'm always very interested to know when you've got t- small children as you said before your mind flashes to the worst possible thing which i think that every parent not just mothers of course leaving your kids is the most awful thing you can imagine especially when they're small yeah. and you and you worry about them in that way but also there are the logistics of parenting. That when you're ill, and I know yep. that obviously your treatment the treatments make you quite incapacitated. How did you deal with mothering and being a cancer patient?
1: I cried all the time. Oh, um, I was, sure. I was just you know when you're in active treatment, so chemotherapy, as everyone knows, isn't a very fun place to be. You know, mm-hmm. and whilst I do have that positive mentality and keeping myself in a good headspace, obviously you're not there all the time. So did you have to travel to any-
0: Melbourne for that, Chanel?
1: Yeah, we we didn't have to. We could have travelled to Ballarat, so we had the option of travelling 40 minutes or two hours, but the specialists that we found were phenomenal and I just thought there is no way I would just go Mm -hmm. to someone else for the sake of it. So, yeah, we we ended up travelling two hours to treatment and back frequently which was you know challenging in its own way but my friends helped me out which was amazing but yeah i guess as far as you know dealing with parenting while you're in active treatment you know i wasn't fun i didn't do anything with my kids i was couch bound a lot of the time and i felt them shifting more towards my husband and my my brother who came up here to help out and that was heartbreaking and you know i was on a lot of steroids at one point i had a reaction to one of the chemos that i was on a mild one but still they give you steroids to combat like nausea and any reactions and rage is a legit thing. Oh, it is. Right. I was, I'm not joking, I was screaming and swearing at them for, for looking at me the wrong way. Oh, you know, everything God. that I work so hard at trying to be good at as a mother, and we all do, you know, and even when you, you're doing a great job at mothering, you're still hard on yourself. But when I was doing a horrible job at mothering and I knew it in the moment when I would scream at them, immediately I'd be crying and bawling and, and then just feeling that guilt on a whole other level and and then throw COVID into the mix I know, and homeschooling. It, it's just it was it was a nightmare. What in did that the regard. kids
0: understand? What did you tell them about what was happening to mummy? I mean, look, in some way I wanted to
1: completely protect them from it and not tell them, but it wasn't a possibility for me. Everywhere we went, everyone was like, how are you? Get yeah, some sure. food. And kids you know, pick up an option. kids pick up exactly. on what's going on around. Exactly. You know? And my eldest, he's on the autism spectrum and he's fantastic. He's high-functioning, but cognitively he's maybe a couple of years behind. So it was kind of like telling two four-year-olds in a way. And I was very grateful that, you know, with that age, they don't have the same mental association with the word cancer as what, you know, as what adults yes. do. Yeah. yeah. So, we were honest without instilling fear. So it was it's just very simple. You know, mum found a lump in her boob. I'm going to the doctor and they're going to put me under a machine to have a look at, on the inside. So, yeah, as much as we could. And there are some amazing resources like books and things like that that are really visual. They yeah, helped me explain it to them.
2: You mentioned other people and, you know, their good wishes and how you're going. But when you're in the middle of it, right, right in the guts of it and people are going, you know, you'll be fine, you're going to make it, is it helpful? Is it frustrating? Is there a way that, you know, people should support you that would make more sense?
0: It's
1: hard because, you know, everyone has their own unique way of wanting to be supported Mm. and that can change day by day. You know, for me, when people said things like, you know, I'm sure you'll be fine. It'll be, you know, you'll get through this. It does feel nice on some level hearing it because that's what you're hoping for. I don't know whether it's the fear driving it, but I would look at them and be thinking internally well you don't know. You're not a doctor. You're not an <laughs> oncologist. Like yeah. how I know you're trying to be nice. So you have to consciously pull yourself up and not get frustrated at people, you know, which is just another struggle on top of the, you know, array of struggles you already have. So, I don't know, for me with supporting people, I think it's just really listening. Like I hear you, I'm sorry, this is hard. How can I best support you? You know, dropping off food without the intention of actually staying or seeing them or, (laughs) you know, just doing things.
2: Please go. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) Bring the food, go away. Bring the food and healthy food. So obviously this has been... A hell of a couple of years for you, so as you say. Throw COVID into the mix of this, and with the, you know your immune system so compromised by treatment, I imagine you've been very isolated. You've mm. made the documentary series, you have the the site, and you're very much encouraging women to check their own breasts. I'd love yes. to know what's got you through. Like, what have you learned this year about yourself and about how the hell you can get through pretty much some of the darkest times any of us. Can really picture what has really pulled you through this?
1: I think, like I said before, making the documentary really helped, but I think you know i'm just so grateful that i have the opportunity now that all of these life lessons that i've learned are not only going to make me a better person but they're going to make my children better people because you know the flow on effect that that's going to have i am a better mother now and whilst i know i still need to prioritize myself more i to be honest covid hasn't even allowed me the time to actually process the trauma of what i've been through and physically while you're in it it's it's really challenging and emotionally challenging as well but the chemo messes up your mind a little bit, and makes it really foggy. So when you're on the other side of it, you need to – pro. you can see clearly and you can see how hard the last year of your life has been. You need to process like any trauma. So yeah.
0: Absolutely. I, friends of mine have told me that's the hardest part is when the trauma yeah. is finished and often that's when you fall apart, you know. So exactly.
1: And that's when the support dies off because your hair starts growing back, you look normal and you say you're cancer-free. So everybody starts kind of thinking, well, their life's back to how it was. But really – You just start dealing with the emotional side of it and what that looks like and what life is going to look like now. You're there
2: going, Where's my food? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Chanel Bryant, you are clearly the success story that you wanted to find, and the rest of us can watch it now. The documentary is called Life on Standby. It's a nine part series and available at Support Your Girls. And listen, thanks for being part of the show and sharing your story. It is phenomenal, and it's great that we all get to enjoy it as well. So thanks. Thank Thank
1: you you so much. much.
0: And check your breasts, don't forget. Check your breasts, everybody. Nailed it. You failed it.
2: Nailed and failed, Holly Wainwright. Failed.
0: I believe that this week our nails and fails are intertwined. Yeah. They're intertwined. It's been book week in my world and I have a question. When everything else is cancelled for COVID, how come I am still <laughs> making bloody costumes? What'd you make? Well, this is the thing. is
2: Atticus Fantasticus? No
0: one here will be even a yeah. tiny bit surprised to know that I forgot it was book week. Matilda was all over it and she was like Hermione, easy peasy.
2: Oh, okay. Hermione
0: is the easiest costume in the world. School uniform. (laughs) Girly swat look.
2: Hang on. Did you did you say Hermione or did Matilda say Hermione?
0: No, no, she said Hermione. But I was Because it was easy or because she she loves the books? She loves the books, yeah. But Billy, of course, more difficult. And I'd forgotten, and it was mu- it was the Sunday before Book Week, and we were with some other mothers, and they said, "Oh, what are you going to as Book Week?" And I was like, "Shut up! I've forgotten about that." And Billy's like, "Oh, and he wanted to go as a character from a book called The Last Kids on Earth. Have you seen that? Never heard of it. They're like zombie it's fighting. Huge. Yeah, they're, they're zombie <laughs> fighting, and it's whatever. It basically involves a broken baseball bat." <laughs> Like he has to have a broken baseball back, a backpack sticky up here. Oh, He's oh. like a zombie fighter.
2: Right. So. Oh, he fights the zombies. Brent's
0: not prepared to break a bat.
2: Just go to Vinny's and you'll find one yeah, to so break.
0: We got a load of sticks and kind of t- – anyway, oh my it was God. pathetic. But <laughs> this is my – and then Billy's there going, this is not – this isn't right. He wears blue clothes. And I'm like, I haven't got any – anyway, why is Book Week still existing?
2: Okay. Tell well, me about all it, right. so, no, well, so thing is that, that my Book Week fail. So you – Totally excused for missing it because it was meant to be in August, and oh, obviously it didn't happen. So for anyone who's I don't know what happened in the other states, look, Book Week's fantastic. It's I know book,
0: I shouldn't moan it about should, it. I love books.
2: You know, but book, yeah, but book Book Week should be every it should be every week, right? So every week the parents should be going, Wow, what book are we reading? And rah, but the reality is that it gets a bit different. Book, book Week's a massive nail. I had an interesting moment with a, a boy on the spectrum, and I was drawing on the whiteboard and explaining showing something and he's got up and he then pushes the whiteboard away from me, about two feet away from me, right, towards to, to the side of the room. So I went, oh, I could just, you wanna, you'd want you rather I did it there. So then I went and drew the next part of the sequence that I was doing and then he just moved it all the <gasps> way Across Did the Did he hall, just want you to not be doing just, it? Uh, no, don't be doing that. So then I, no. had a, then I had a piece of paper. So I drew on a piece of paper and I held that up and he came and took the piece of paper from me. Oh, and <laughs> just going. It was amazing. It was actually amazing. So it was just one of those things. And, you know, I'm not well versed on kids on the spectrum and dealing with different moments but he was – terrific and the, the best thing was is the kids were terrific Aww. so look it's really good if you if your kids were excited by book week then please follow up and and get them another book or yes. the next one to what they've just read or what they're reading to just because when that little flame is lit if we can just keep it alive it, through grade 5 and grade 6 and hopefully into year 7 and 8 then they're fine forever.
0: I couldn't agree more. I made the terrible mistake of telling my children when they were little that I will never say no to buying them a book. <laughs> Why did I say that?
2: Well, because you, you, you go to the library. Because you know how you go you're allowed to, to, go to and the also library. also when you're
0: at any shop, like the kids are always like, can I have, can I have? I'm like, no, but I'll say yes to books. But I've had to revise that promise yeah, because obviously it cost me a fortune. So fortune.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: One at a time. Anyway. Yeah excellent nail. We would love to hear your nails and fails. You can share them with us by calling the pod phone on 028999386 or sending us a voice message, which you can record on your phone and then send to TGM at mamamia.com.au. That is it for this week's show.
2: Yeah, brought to you by Mamma Mia, and this episode is produced by Perea dear Thanks, Perea, and thanks for listening.
0: Bye.